Welcome to Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley, and with me is Derek Spech. Hello. How's it going, Derek? Mm, going really good. What's happening? Not much. I do have a question. I'll have. I have a question for you. Oh. So I, I came across, I don't know, I think I saw it in Venture Journal. It just got me thinking. Uh-oh. Right? And uh, so do you ever bring water back from trips when you go wherever you go, you know? Yeah, but usually it's for the drive home. Mm-hmm. So I don't have to stop at the store and buy something. Like I'll usually end up at home with a with an algae and full of water from some lake somewhere up north or whatever, right? Right. And uh, so but they were talking about this in uh, in one of the. It's from an article from 2018, actually. And uh, it was. Uh, I, I just thought it was interesting because, like, he he fills up every container he has to bring it home, so that you know his. Uh, for example, he'll water his plants with us so they can have some nice, fresh, unchlorinated water, you know, and, and he'll drink a little bit of water every day. He's, you know, that pure mountain water wherever he came from, right? And it got me to thinking, like, I know, I, Beckett, he takes stuff, you know, he collects rocks every time, wherever, wherever we go camping, right? So we, uh, we're increasing, we're increasing the weight of our property because Beckett comes home with a couple of pockets of rocks every time we get back. <laughs> But uh, just, I got to thinking, it's like, I, I bring water home, but it, usually it's by accident because I forgot to dump it while I was there. And, uh, and but I don't drink it. I usually just dump it when I realize, oh, yeah, this is, uh, this is well, you know, tomogamy water or whatever, right? So it just, it, you, it, I imagine a lot of people do. There's some people that, hey, you know, I, I remember when I used to do a lot of traveling, I used to, uh, back when, when cameras were, had film in them, I used to take the, uh, the film cases and if I went to a beach somewhere as foreign, it was, they bring sand, yeah. little bits and pieces of, you know, plastic or rock and it's driftwood, whatever, whatever fits in the film case, right? So I, I have, I still have all these little film cases with a beach, you know, in Oregon or, or, you know, something out, you know, in the East Coast, West Coast, whatever, right? I got these, all these little sand memories of a beach somewhere, right? So it just, uh, I just got to think, do you ever collect stuff from a trip or is it just photos and memories? Photos and memories. <laughs> memories. <laughs> yeah, I uh, was, you know, once in a while, I'll grab something. Mm-hmm. But it, it's not, yeah, not something that I, I do all the time, mm-hmm. um, bringing something home, that sort of deal. But no, when, I, when I'm, I know I'm packing up for the day yeah. if I'm in a backcountry trip, I'll get water for the canoe trip out. And if there's any left, I throw my Nalgene in the front seat of the truck and then I mm-hmm. drink the rest of the yeah. water on my way home. Mm-hmm. Now, this guy that's bringing water home, is it filtered water or no? Well, he says he dips it into a, a, a you know, he's, he says mountain streams, mountain lakes and stuff like that. So I don't know where he's at, but he's obviously at West Summers in the, in the mountains. So he doesn't say whether he filters it. And mm-hmm. one, of, one of the, somebody commented. Because that's, his, that's a big can of worms. I know, I know. Right there, right? Uh, so, and he, somebody did comment on the article and they said, so, uh, what, is it your guardia cysts that are, that are, you know, Desperately begging for unchlorinated water. <laughs> <laughs> well, my thing would be, if you want to go down that little rabbit hole, there's some other rabbit holes we're going to be going down tonight too, but uh, invasive species. Mm, yeah. Right? So all of a sudden you're, mm-hmm. okay, I'll just bring this home and my plants will get some lovely, cool, clear mountain water. Yeah. <laughs> but what if you're, you know, somebody else is doing the same sort of thing? Mm-hmm. 
and they're taking it from a lake. Yeah, we'll take this home and save some on our water yeah. bill, and we'll <laughs> water the flower. Well, then who knows what you've now brought? Yeah, three hundred kilometers south. Chances are, if you're drinking it, it's probably not filled with all kinds of invasive species. But if you're using it for, like you said, to throw in your garden or mm-hmm. something like that, or yeah, 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 who knows? I mean, maybe they are just. Hopefully, they're going to filter it if they're drinking mm-hmm. it. Fill up their water cooler thingy. Yeah. Hopefully, yeah, if they're, <laughs> hopefully they're filtering it, not just yeah. like, I think I'm going to go over to my bucket and get me a big old <laughs> swig of yep, wherever this came from. <laughs> no, no. Once in a while, if it's a really cool rock or stick or mm-hmm. dead something body interesting, yeah. or something like that, <laughs> I might haul it home. Yeah. <laughs> he followed me home. Can I keep him? <laughs> uh, but yeah, not in this, not. Otherwise, you know what? I'd be collecting nonstop. Mm-hmm. I know. Yeah. I, I'd have you, like you'd have to wander through the collection just to get to my front door of rocks <laughs> yes. and yeah. sticks and skulls. But, I mean, I know people that do that. They they collect skulls and they collect. I mean, then there's the whole. If you see deer antler, do you leave it or do you take it home? Well, I would leave it. And Stuff like that. Of, I, I'd, a lot of people yeah. bring it home because they've. You know, mm-hmm. the, it's probably the only one they've ever seen yeah. in in fifty years of being out there, sort mm-hmm. of thing, right? So they'll they'll collect it. If it was a human skull or if it was an alien skull, I'd probably pick it up and take it home. <laughs> but not an animal. Skull. Fair point. Some of you want to know about this. <laughs> Where'd you get that? Well, let me tell you where I got that. And funny enough, he had a hook hand. <laughs> It was laying right next to the skull. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not a I'm, yeah, that's, that's a road that if I started doing that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, now, having said that, when we went to Iceland, there's the Black Beach. Okay. Right? Oh, and there's all yeah. the lava fields yeah, yeah, yeah. and stuff yeah. like that. So we took a little bit of black sand and a little couple of chunks of lava that we could mm-hmm. do a little... Memento, we've got in a little glass thing upstairs yeah. with, you know, the date of our trip to, to Iceland, that sort of thing, right? <laughs> um, but and, and, yeah, like Superior, when I went up there, I did the whole area up there yeah. a couple of years back and um, just the different types of uh, agates and stuff like that. I picked up a few of those and, and uh, but, yeah. There's no way I could do that on every single trip. I know, right? Yeah. Now, who's going to portage that big rock? <laughs> Come on. It's only two feet across. It's not that heavy. Let's feel <laughs> the holes. Look at all the holes. <laughs> uh, yeah. So does that answer your question? It does. It does. It, and so it. Uh, another thing that was it. I collect it, beer when I go on trips sometimes. <laughs> another comment to this article about taking stuff home. Somebody says, talks about uh, back in the Cold War era. There's a, a Tool Thule, Tool Air Force Base in Greenland Air Base. So he said that uh, all the airmen would take rocks home because they said eventually if we take enough of these rocks, nobody will ever have to come back here again. <laughs> <laughs> they won't be there anymore. <laughs> and well, but, and that's, um, we talked about um, Banks Island. Oh, yeah. All the muskox skulls mm-hmm, and yeah. horns and stuff. Mm-hmm. and it's like when people start collecting that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I think that if you, I don't know, I'd like. 
It's Ro- a slippery I think, slope. I know. But- I, I see rocks, the occasional rock by my year old as not an issue. But when people are going in and, and taking historical artifacts from like... That's a total uh, another... Uh, yeah. If you're if you're taking pieces of like some random alligator in Algonquin Park and taking it home, then it's like, well, I don't know. Like, like eventually it's going to disappear into the dirt and, and nobody will ever see it. But why not leave it there until it is gone, and then other people get to enjoy it instead of mm-hmm. you know you keep taking bits and pieces and so Alli- alligator being a steam tug from the logging yes. era. Yes. For <laughs> not the- not a, not Mister Snappy Jaws. Yes. 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 <laughs> So yeah, those the those that were the old from the logging times. Uh, the they would crawl across land, and they would there there were boats that pulled itself across land across portages and stuff. Mm-hmm. So they were called alligators. Anyways, yeah, you, I don't think you should be taking anything of historical historical archaeological yeah, it's, importance. It's the same thing as uh, as with a uh, you know shipwrecks and stuff like that, mm-hmm. unless you're licensed and have approval to remove the gold from a shipwreck you shouldn't yeah. be taking anything from those places oftentimes it's lost uh, you know the last resting place for, for uh, whoever died in that shipwreck or whatever right so yeah you shouldn't be really taking stuff from the backcountry unless it's the occasional rock stick to the parasite infested water <laughs> yes 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 <laughs> um <laughs> yeah other than that what else is new <laughs> well, I'm on staycation this week. Yeah, I, I sent you an email to work, and, all and you got a bounce back. I, I'm not here. <laughs> oh, oh, wait a minute! Shouldn't he have told me <laughs> if he went on vacation? <laughs> and he's sitting at some campsite right now, going something I'm supposed to be <laughs> doing, doing on Tuesday night. <laughs> what is it? What is that? <laughs> Can't quite place my finger on it, but I'm sure I'll figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> No, we're just doing uh, random stuff like we're going to go to the ROM. Uh, today we went to see a movie in the uh, middle of the day. and So the kids are like, we picked this week just because we didn't put them in any day camps or anything like that, and the kids are out of school for the summer. So it's an opportunity to just hang around the house and unpack a few more boxes and get the house a little bit more ready. And so well, That's a yeah. perfect time for it. Mm-hmm. Perfect time to find out if your air conditioner is working. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it does. It, it, we've had it running for a while now. Really? Mm-hmm. I tested mine this morning while I was getting ready for work. Yeah. Turned it on for about an hour. Works fine. Turned it off, went to work. <laughs> yes. In fan- my house, <laughs> once that air conditioner goes on, it doesn't turn off till the first snowfall. Because, <laughs> you know, it's warm in here. <laughs> I don't care. My wallet's warm from all that yeah. money running out of yeah. it. <laughs> Ah, uh, <laughs> good times. Now, I still have, uh, actually, the end of the month, uh, we're going on a three-day trip in Algonquin, so. Okay, cool. But on that, I don't have anything, I don't think, till September. Hmm. My, my trip coming up is up to Wabakimi, guy's trip. Yeah, when is, when is that? That is, yeah. Next week! I, I'll be gone for, you'll have to find a guest host for two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> so, we're leaving on the 6th of August, 5th of August. Oh, thanks for the warning. And we're back around the 21st. We'll just record five episodes now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, by the way, I'm not here for the first couple of weeks in August. Oh, way to go. <laughs> we should... That's one thing we've we sort of discussed, but we both poo-pooed, is shutting down over the summers. Mm-hmm. I think it'd be hard to get going again. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, come September. Hey, let's meet up. Ah, oh, dude. Because <laughs> you get in the habit of meeting up on, on once a week to... Yeah. To yeah, record. Exactly. This is our, and like, it's just as easy to, yeah, because of 
if we record on a Monday instead of a Tuesday, then I'm like, on Tuesday, I'm like, all right, this is awesome. Tuesday, on, a Tuesday off. <laughs> I don't have to do anything tonight because we already did it last night. Yeah, it is nice. It's, you know? it's a couple times we've recorded earlier. It, usually when we record late, it's kind of a pain in the butt because you have so much extra work to do yeah. to get it to get it uploaded and stuff. But usually recording early is, is uh, gives, it's like a little refresher for the week. It's like, I'm done. I don't have to drive anywhere any evening at all. Like <laughs> or doing them in advance when mm-hmm. you're on vacation or something. Like, yeah. Okay. Oh, I don't have to record this week because <laughs> we already recorded last week. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's off, off, yeah. awesome. But yeah, you can get some guest hosts in like Alan Drummond. Or- oh, Alan. Yeah. Nobody swore on the show lately. <laughs> <laughs> We'll get Alan, we'll get, we'll get, maybe we'll just get Alan and John to host the show. There you go. And neither of us will be here. <laughs> I'll be a first. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be a first. That'll be awesome. We'll find out what we're doing in August. <laughs> oh yeah, I got to get a host tonight. Hey, who's uh, available? <laughs> who's free? Who's available? <laughs> eh, whatever. Um, Bear Mountain Boats. Ah, yes. We were talking about their debut of their latest and greatest, apparently. Mm-hmm. The Dragonfly Tandem Dragon Boat. Tandem being two people, uh, not a thousand people. Yeah. So they they did a little article here about their new... It's, it's a training for, for training purposes, right? Yeah. Uh, it says, we drew on our experience with sprint racing canoes, partnered with Novacraft Canoe and Steve Killing... Yacht design to produce a Canadian boat that isn't like anything else on the market. And yeah, it definitely doesn't uh, look like anything else that I've seen. Mm-hmm. The Dragonfly reproduces the paddling stroke of a full-size dragon boat at a fraction of the scale. So a pair of paddlers can now practice their form without the need to assemble an entire 22-person team. I said a thousand, give or take. <laughs> Having consulted extensively with professional athletes, coaches, and industry experts, they are confident that the Dragonfly is both a valuable assessment tool and a pleasure to paddle. Which is true. If you if you got time to get out and do some practicing, mm-hmm. yep. then, hey, Phil, what are you doing? Yeah, exactly. Let's go out and practice, get some extra yeah. practice for this week's race or something like that. Paddling Dragonfly is very similar to the full-size Dragon Boat experience, replicating the feel, stability, and performance of paddling with an entire team as closely as possible. It has a concave bottom just like a full-size Dragon Boat, and a foot bar used by the stern paddler makes steering intuitive. In the stern position, a coach can assess a paddler's performance and technique. So behind the, the guy in the back... There's a little, looks like a seat almost. Yeah. Where I guess um, a coach can sit. And, uh, yeah. And observe, and slap him upside the yeah. head and say, stop that. <laughs> yeah. Ideal for training, competition, or recreation, the Dar- Dragonfly Tandem Dragon Boat simulates the ergonomics of a full-size dragon boat as a manageable scale. Practice your form with a regular dragon boat paddle even when a full team is unavailable or just get out on the water in a unique, fun, and stable new watercraft. Accommodates two paddlers, 40% more stable than a canoe. Seat position allows paddlers to replicate a dragon boat style stroke. So can you, pa- I guess you can paddle it like a canoe then. Mm-hmm. It's just a really stable 
canoe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's got a spot for a yoke. <laughs> and a portage's baby. <laughs> Pedal controlled rudder for responsive steering. Excellent for athlete coaching and assessment. Standardized design for competitive class potential. Fits on a car top, easy to transport and maintain. Ample internal volume for day trips. There you go. 16 foot 9 inches long. Did they give a price? Uh, I haven't seen a price on it yet, but I'm sure it's going to be pricey. Mm -hmm. 38 and a half beam, uh, center depth 15 inches, hull surface area 72 square feet, weight 69 pounds. Pretty weighty. Mm -hmm. Fat for what it is. Yeah. Yeah, you're not portaging. This is a a training Mm -hmm. vessel. Yeah. Yeah. Right, I presume you're not portaging it. <laughs> uh, if you want to find out more, go to baremountainboats.ca backslash dragonfly. Uh, you'll find out more information on it there. But yeah, pretty cool new tool for uh, people to train. Yeah, well, I've watched a couple of videos of them using it. And and uh, so it, it looks pretty neat. How long till they add a new division in dragon boat racing to the <laughs> two tandem? Two, yeah, tandem yeah, dragon boat. The tandem dragon boat race. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what else? Oh, if you go to explore-mag.com, uh, backslash zero one, there's an article about our trip. Our five Great Lakes. Yeah. The, the digital version of, uh, Explore Magazine, explore-mag.com backslash zero one. There's an article there about our, um, Great Lakes tour. Our tour de, tour de lakes. (laughs) What are we drinking tonight here? Today we're drinking, so it's uh, it's Man Antler, but they've just sold, and now they're called Tilted Glass out of Bowenville. We're drinking the Roberta Blondar, a blonde ale. I think we've had this before. Yeah, we have. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty good. Roberta Blondar. Awesome. So, after the spike... In demand for outdoor rec equipment mm-hmm. once COVID-19 hit and everybody was then allowed out mm-hmm. to do stuff. There was the big spike in canoes, kayaks, bikes, yeah. golfing equipment, you name it. People were I remember trying to, trying to gear up for a trip and I needed a thermarest or some kind of inflatable mattress and I needed a few things. It's like I went into like sale and... And uh, they had nothing. Oh, even the freeze-dried food? Yeah, freeze-dried food was shelves were empty. There was, uh, I had to settle for a, uh, what, a, a, a air mattress that I didn't really want, but I needed something. And uh, so, and like propane, the little propane cylinders for yep. stoves, they were all sold over to those. And it's like, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, so businesses selling equipment, bicycles, kayaks, canoes, unprecedented demand mm-hmm. during this this phase of the pandemic. Uh, then you combine that with uh, supply chain problems. And like you say, many items were out of stock for months. Yeah. You just, you just couldn't get it. So Bill Burton works at Ottawa Valley Canoe and Kayak. He says it got, you know, it got very busy very quickly and demand skyrocketed. And because travel was complicated during the pandemic and with summer camps and other activities, for children and youth in limbo, families with unspent vacation money 
turned to the great outdoors, mm-hmm. which we saw in spades. Yeah. Uh, this year, however, the buying frenzy for outdoor sporting goods has subsided. It's like the gold rush, he says. The gold rush was great, but it calmed down. Mm-hmm. Everything's open. Like, how many people do you know have headed south already? To Mexico Man, and there's Cuba, Jamaica. People at my work, they're just, every time you look on Facebook, another one of them is, everybody's doing all these trips and going south again. And yeah. if and because of that. Europe. Like, yeah, and so they're having issues with uh, with staffing issues with airlines. So there's constantly cancellations, mm-hmm. and so it's uh, <laughs> the local radio station was it Indy eight eight. They have a contest right now. You you call in, you pick a, a pick a flight, and you say on time, delayed, canceled, and if it is whatever you picked, then you win. Oh. And so I, I would. Gotta get me some of that action. <laughs> so, yeah. So that you, you call in, you say, oh, yeah, Air Canada flight 8760. And, uh, I'm going to call it delayed. So they call up Air Canada and then the, the automated voice says delayed. And so the guy wins. <laughs> <laughs> That's an awesome game. <laughs> well, because of all that sort of yeah. stuff, the, the demand for, all the outdoor gear isn't as high as it was the last yeah, couple of people, years. Yeah, life's starting to get back to more of a new normal. And mm-hmm. and so I'm I'm just waiting to see all the canoes show up on, uh, on Kijiji. <laughs> on Kijiji. And, yeah. <laughs> I want to get myself a new canoe. And there's, there's going to be a one or two-year-old canoes uh, suddenly uh, for sale. <laughs> well, and we discussed that with uh, the pets last week. Yes. All of a sudden, 63% increase in pets yeah, being it's crazy. dropped off. That's ridiculous. Yeah, it's like... So if anybody is looking to donate a canoe, if they're looking for a good home... <laughs> there you go. Derek tag needs us one. and Derek needs one. <laughs> something in an 18-foot. Yeah, nice. something with three-seater, possibly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Vicky Scooten, owner of Expeditions Wakefield on the Gatineau River, is having a similar experience with her business... She initially feared having difficulty staying afloat as businesses were ordered closed in an attempt to stop the spread of COVID-19. Instead, she saw an unexpected spike in business. She says, we went from being very nervous about the future to trying to manage people's expectations. The first summer of the pandemic, we essentially sold out of just about everything. She's added that while demand remains strong for paddleboard, canoe and kayak rentals, Sales of those items have begun to slow down. A year ago, you couldn't buy a canoe, a kayak, or a paddleboard. Now there are some available, which we've seen people out there buying them. But yeah. when you go on a place, you just see they're, they're sitting there now. Mm-hmm. You can walk in and go, oh, I, I want one of those. Yes. <laughs> and Well, that's going to take you four months yeah. to get sort of thing, right? Uh, well, demand for... Uh, New equipment may have diminished. Interest in exploring the great outdoors is holding steady, which is a good thing. And the desire for group activities is increasing. The Ottawa Outdoor Club organizes a variety of activities for its members, including canoeing, cycling, skating on the Rideau Canal, and even urban walks. And the club president, Rob Burnfield, says he would expect roughly 200 members in an average year. The number has dropped to roughly 100 during the pandemic, but it's now bouncing back. Our ne- our number, he says, our numbers have definitely climbed back up. We've had people who are young, people who are old, and people just really seem to enjoy it. So there, there's the bon- benefits. I mm-hmm. mean, the buying of the gear isn't spiking like it was, but 
it seems that a lot of the people that got a taste for the outdoors over the last couple of years are sticking with it. Mm-hmm. Which is good. Got. Yeah. I wonder how many of them have realized, wait a minute, I can go canoeing for a week at a fraction of the cost <laughs> of why, why go sit on a hot beach yeah. and yeah. drink yeah. when I can be out paddling, Enjoy the, enjoying something yeah. totally different at a fraction of the cost. And I think that's, that realization has hit a lot of people. There's uh well, I think there's a lot, we see, we've seen it. There's so many new people enjoying the backcountry camping mm-hmm. and so on. And, and unfortunately it, uh, it, the, the, the backcountry has, the campsites have seen, uh, overuse and, uh, People doing the wrong things, littering and stuff is becoming a common problem because people who are uh, are out there for the first time don't think that, you know, they, maybe they think that there's always somebody behind them to clean up for them, which is not true. And uh, so you saw a lot of overuse and damage to backcountry areas. Yeah. And uh, so it's, it's starting to come around now. And uh, and I think uh, I think a lot more people uh, need to, you know, need to come to terms with, you know, protecting the backcountry, like the uh, seven leave no trace principles and stuff like that, right? Yeah. I wonder how many, when you look back, I know I know we were all rather annoyed, uh, to use a mild term, um, a, a family-friendly term, <laughs> <laughs> when we went out and saw the state of some of these backcountry sites. Yeah. And I wonder how much of that was just because there was so much energy built up to get out there mm-hmm. that people just went off half cocked with their gear, yeah. not paying attention. Just they, they had to burn off the energy. Mm-hmm. And then now the second year they're going out, they sort of grasped more of a concept yeah. of this is what we need to do. So it'd be interesting to see this summer at the end of the summer, how much destruction, garbage, all that yeah. has happened. Is, is it improving? Is it staying the same? Because there is, I think, uh, well, we've we've heard it from all corners. You know, people are saying, "Yeah, I just got back from a trip, and this area is a mess. The French River. Somebody's wrecked a campsite, and somebody's made new fire pits at this campsite, and mm-hmm. and so there's a lot of damage. And so, hopefully, people are starting to learn. Uh, you know, that the, the way that they did things the first time they got out was maybe the wrong way. So, I think there's a lot of education needed. And uh, so, with that in mind, I volunteered for uh, I'm I'm a volunteer now for Leave No Trace Canada. Oh yeah. So I'm I'm just I'm going to help out with education and 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 some other stuff. So I put my name forward, and uh, they took me on, and so I'm going to see suckers. <laughs> <laughs> Way to go, bud. Yeah. So I'm on a couple committees with them. So that's uh, I just been doing it for about a month now, and and uh, there's a lot of. Uh, orientation stuff going on i'm learning you've got to learn a lot about how they're doing stuff they 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 said themselves that they've you know they came out of uh covid themselves as a little bit weaker but uh there's been renewed interest in leave no trace canada now and they're starting to pick things up good mm-hmm. yeah you know what i mean we we were dealing with leave no trace back when we were with Algonquin, abr uh, yeah backcountry recreationalists um we were doing a whole lot of that and pumping yeah. that out and they were still sort of in their infancy at that point. They started in 2006. When yeah. did we, when was the ABR? We, that would have been around that time. Yeah, it would have yeah. been about the same time. Oh, yeah, because I remember all of a sudden this this new Leave leave No Trace thing, LNT. Mm-hmm. Like, what's all that? Yeah. Here's their, was yeah. it seven properties? Seven, or seven principles. principles. Seven Leave No Trace principles. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, which I know a lot. Of, a lot of them were looking at going. Well, that's just common sense. No, <laughs> but apparently it's not. It's not. <laughs> it's not. Who knew? Yeah. Who knew? Uh, yeah, there, there, there's uh, that. I, I remember when we started dealing with that sort of thing, mm-hmm. and I mean, we would have the discussions while we were out on the on our camping trips. Yeah. Okay. Well, we got to do this, and we got to do that, and we got to do this, and we got to do that, and mm-hmm. some of the, some of the things you're thinking. Okay, I can see why they're saying that. But people aren't walking 200 meters back into the bush to dump a little tiny bucket of some water. Mm-hmm. You know, um, they're going to probably pour it right into their campfire or something like yeah. that. I can see why they're saying it, but I I know the majority of people are going to go, no, the boogeyman's back there. I'm just going <laughs> <laughs> to dump it right here. Yeah. <laughs> So, oh, that's cool. That's mm-hmm. cool. You have to keep us up to breast on what's, yeah, what you're yeah. doing. And I'm still uh, still learning uh, how I can help them or how or what ways they can use me and my energy. So, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Cool. Uh, in the meantime, um, get outdoors and stay clean. Yes. Leave no trace. <laughs> so, sort of along that line, we're going to use that as a segue. In our okay. Next, our next little... Uh, thingy here um been seeing a lot of paddling pics and and short videos this is the time of the year when everybody's putting mm-hmm. them out right but i noticed this year there's there's a lot of people not giving destinations locations yes it's right along the I, I see it as along the same lines as uh you know, that's, that's my fishing spot. I'm not telling anybody mm-hmm. where it is, right? Because next thing you know, everybody rushes in and fishes it out and so on. So, yeah. So, yeah, it's, uh, and what we saw, I think it's that the, what they call it, the Instagram effect, where yep. somebody gets a nice picture of, of, uh, of sunflower fields. Next thing you know, it's overrun with people and cars and people are tromping through the sunflower fields trying and to get And it's somebody's them. business. Yeah, it's, it's somebody's business and they're getting trampled, right? right? So, I even know the, the camping family, the Sontags. Yeah. They've changed everything to somewhere, somewhere north. up north. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, they're not mentioning, you know, instead of saying Algonquin Park, Tomogamy, Killarney, uh, whatever, yeah. North Pole, yeah. you know, whatever. They're just saying somewhere up north, mm-hmm. which I guess to us makes sense because being in the Toronto area, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. up north is where we go. Right? Yeah. So it, they're, they're not giving them locations. One social media person I follow, and she's on like Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and everything else, she made a post. And, and I follow it because she does so much scenery of um, West, Southwest, United States, like places I'm like, oh man, like the sunrises, sunsets, and just the the the, the scenic locations she's go mm-hmm. she goes to. And she recently posted a, a, a little video, and in a caption saying, "You know, I had so much fun going here, and uh, loved it. Beautiful area, saw sunsets, that sort of stuff." She puts in her caption. Do not ask the location I won't tell. Don't tell the location I'll remove it. We picked up a ton of trash here. Hmm. Yeah. And she there's other things she was saying about ATV noises and all that sort yeah. of stuff, right? But that's what happens when mm-hmm. when people start posting, "Oh, look where we went 
we went here, yep. and next thing you know, there's well, well look at the uh, the um, ob- not the obelisk. What they call it? Oh yeah, the metal metal tower that the, was yeah. in. Uh, I want to say obelisk, but I'm thinking 2000 <laughs> Space Odyssey. Yeah. <laughs> um, when that that appeared, and somebody found out where it was. Yeah. Boom! Just trampled yeah. and garbage. Yeah, and, and so people and took the thing away just because it was drawing in so many people that the area couldn't handle it. Because it was, where was it? It was, uh, it was in a desert. Yeah, it was the, down uh, in New Mexico, yeah, New Mexico, or Nevada, or something. Mm-hmm. Like that. Yeah, I think it was Nevada. Anyways, so they, people were going there, and like some plants there, like it takes forever for plants to to grow yeah. there because there's so little water. And it's you know they're they're trampling the area. The animals are running away, and it was just t- so much damage. Just yep. all these, all these. And then idiots. there was the one we talked about a couple of years back, the rock that the uh, Bill loves Georgina or whatever. Mm. And it was, um, if I'm not mistaken, it had something to do with indi- indigenous peoples. Oh, it was it was something special to them. Yeah, and somebody spray painted on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, oh, that looks really cool. We're going to go there. And people yeah. started going there and they're destroying yeah. it. Absolutely destroying it. So my thing, my question is, do you think this is going to be a new trend for people to follow? I think it Throw your be. pictures up there. But don't say where you went. But don't say where you went. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, you got to think part of it is, why are you looking at that picture mm-hmm. that somebody's posted? Yeah. It's a gorgeous picture. Yeah, yeah. you might want to go there, but that's a gorgeous picture. Mm-hmm. Keep that in mind. That's why yeah. you want it. That's why you're looking at that. You're not looking at it to find out where your next vacation is going to be. Mm-hmm. I hope not anyway. Yeah. Uh, so by by not posting, is this now going to start keeping the crowds down? Mm-hmm. You know, is this going to, all these places that are easy to reach, day trips, now all of a sudden are they going to see a decrease in uh, visitors? Hmm. Which isn't necessarily, especially like we say after the last two years, yeah, isn't necessarily a bad yeah. thing. That you know, places like some of the places that are uh, environmentally um, sensitive. sensitive, yeah, they need to rest. Mm-hmm. They need a break from it. Will this how ho- uh, help lower the graffiti and destruction of these natural places? You would hope so by people not putting. Oh yeah, I was on blankety 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 blank, and here's how you get there off highway. Yeah, whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. Next thing you know, there's a, a parade of people heading that way and trampling the area. And, right. And it, not everybody has the best intentions when they get out there because, like, we've seen it ourselves. Like, there's a, there's a petroglyphs that people are cutting out of walls. Mm-hmm. There's people spray painting over top of petroglyphs. There's, uh, you know, people go out there and make make all these rock cairns. It's like, oh, hey, I yes. just built a thousand rock cairns. I, so it's like, what are you doing? Like, it's it, people think, oh, no, people want to see this. No. No, people don't want to see that. Yeah. So. And you know, we're not just being a cr- couple of crusty old guys. <laughs> this is this is things that need to happen. Yeah. These places need a rest. Mm-hmm. So then, just to flip it a bit here, let's do a okay. little hypothetical. Yeah. This is one of the rabbit holes I was talking about. <laughs> in 2017, a fella and his son went fishing in Algonquin Park. Oh, yes. And they landed some good-sized fish. They had posted a video of it and some pictures and stuff, posted it on social media. He didn't name the lake he fished on. Yep. He had more than, he had almost 200 people message him, private messages saying, what lake was that? 
<clears throat> yeah, I want to know. Where's he this? He would not name it. Good for him. Yep. Someone wanted to know so badly mm-hmm. where he caught that fish that they put in with the Ministry of Natural Resources yeah. a freedom of information request. They wanted they they went through Ontario Parks and the the and they what they did is yep. they we want to know his trip itinerary, freedom of information, we want to know what this guy's route was. Exactly. The Ministry of Natural Resources sent the fishermen a five-page letter detailing the situation of the request, <laughs> right? Here's what's happened. Here's what it is about the guy he wants. Da, da, da. Here's what we'd like to know from you. Da, 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 da. Basically, they wanted him to answer all these questions, give a rebuttal to all these questions. And he goes, I got better things to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he just put invasion of privacy yeah. and sent it back. <laughs> Ministry did not reveal the spot. Good for them. To the person filing the freedom of information request. Yeah. Um, but apparently he, this guy could have filed an appeal mm-hmm. of that to say, hey, um, you don't have the right not to tell me. And I can't, in all my research, I didn't find anything else about if eventually he found he out, found, but I don't think he did. Mm-hmm. And there, it's funny because there's other people that said um, that. What's the harm? Just tell them. Well, problem is, is you, you get thousands of people yeah. going there, and the, the 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 lake gets fished out. Yeah, and suddenly it's like, well, okay, well now nobody's going to catch fish there because it's fished out. Mm-hmm. So, taking that little situation, and this was. 2017. Yeah, and they did release, or rumor has it, they, they know who sent in the Freedom of Information, information oh, Request. I, I think they know who sent it, was it like in. like a sport fishing. Well, that's what they were TV figuring was either a sports fishing guy. How, whoever it was, they they sort of hinted that um, he wanted to get there to promote either his show mm-hmm. or gear, some sort of marketing yeah. thing. So you're going to go in there, catch a big trophy fish just to make money. Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. And you're going all around sneaky and devious. Yeah. You know? I know. So next, following that, that line of logic, will this be the next thing is targeting people that have posted pictures because somebody feels they have the right to know where you took that picture. Mm-hmm. Right, I want to go take a picture in that same spot. Freedom of information. Yeah. Um, hmm. They they went and they're not sharing. And if they're posting it on social media, then we have the right to know. Hmm. Right. I mean, it's a slippery slope. Yeah. Huh? And we've been yeah, using yeah. that term yeah. for too many things tonight. <laughs> uh, so people stop posting their scenic locations, awesome paddling spots, but it's just now become a freedom of information nightmare. Mm-hmm. And yeah. who's, who's going to have time to go through all of that? I know, right? Right? Hmm. How vague, then, do you go with your location details? So if I'm out paddling, do I put, yeah, I was paddling Canada. <laughs> I was paddling in Ontario. Yeah. I was paddling in Tomogamy. Mm-hmm. 
right? Yeah. Um, I, I, I think, okay, well, it's in Tomogamy somewhere, just like this guy knows it was in Algonquin somewhere. But I'm not going to – you don't put down the lakes. You don't put down the rivers, the anything else. Or do you say somewhere in Ontario, somewhere up north, and and leave it at that? Mm-hmm. Right? So, you know, like, what are your feelings on people divulging the locations on social media? Right? Like, yeah. Yeah. It's the problem is, is it does drive traffic into these areas. Mm -hmm. Somebody finds the great best lookout, look at the view, this, that, the other thing. Next thing you know, there's hundreds of people heading there to get the same shot. And and it's, it just, uh, it can do a lot of damage when you have that much foot traffic going to a location, right? It starts to make you think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, social media. It's like we've we've seen so much. Uh, like, sure, it, there's a lot of advantages to social media and stuff like that. But uh, I think there's also there's also a lot of damage it can do. There's a, the, the way it changes the way people do things, and and so there's more information at our fingertips now than there ever has been in the past. And uh, it's just, it enables people to, some people have weird ideas about how they should be living life. And and uh, a lot of people feel that that's, you know, the, the best Instagram shot or something, right? So I'm not going to, I'm not going to poo-poo too much. It's uh, everybody has their own thing, right? But I definitely won't, well, I don't, I hardly post on Facebook anyways, but mm-hmm. uh, I, I definitely wouldn't be... Uh, getting that big money shot and, you know, singing it to the world and say, look at this. And I don't know. Yeah. And especially when it comes to fish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like if I'll post a fish, but I'll, I'll try to do it in such a way that you can't see the background where mm-hmm. I am. And that way, if you want to ask me where it was, oh yeah. Uh, while I was in Tomogamy fishing, I got this in Algonquin Park. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Tell me I'm wrong. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So that's, I, I think that's, uh. I mean, that, that's just, like I say, a rabbit hole, a hypothetical. Mm-hmm. But if some guy's going to do it over fish. I know, right? And and the trend becomes not naming where you got in that photo. It only takes a couple times before people start going, oh, well, if they did freedom of information yep, and got, exactly. got that. So <laughs> enjoy the photos people post. Give them the credit for it. Say, awesome photo, and then move on. Yes, exactly. Find your own spot. Excuse me. Um, talking about driving, <laughs> this is all just flowing pretty well, eh? Yes. It's almost like I planned it this way. <laughs> almost. So doing my road trips, uh, I, I've, as Kevin Callan says, we love the road trips. Yes. You know, our paddling road trips. On the, I'm, I'm currently looking at my one heading south this, doing my, my planning for it and different things. And there's some of them, with my truck, I can sleep stretched out in the backseat of my truck. Mm-hmm. So if I want to pull over and did a little boondocking in the Walmart parking lot, I can just pull over to Walmart, jump in the backseat of my truck, have a snooze for a few hours, get back on the road sort of thing, right? And I don't know if Facebook uh, can now read minds. But all of a sudden, I started getting these um, advertisements for these truck top tents and awnings. Mm-hmm. Now, the tent to me, the tent to me, makes no sense. There is no. nothing in Canada here that would warrant 
me being on the roof of my truck sleeping. <laughs> and and <laughs> as we discussed before that we recorded tonight, it's like the only place I could see where that would be a need or demand is is like Australia where everything that moves is trying to kill you. Yeah, and there's probably some bird that's going to come in through the tent and lift it off the top <laughs> of your truck and kill you anyway. Yes. So, or, you know, some 20-foot spider or yeah, yeah. a gator with tall giraffe legs or something. <laughs> so, yeah, in Australia, yeah, you guys need these. Yeah. But in Canada, yeah, having a, it, it's, it's, it's a cool concept. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if I'm going to go through all the hassle of unfolding and putting up this tent on the bed of my truck or the roof... No, I'm just grabbing a regular tent, throwing it on the ground and calling it a day. <laughs> yeah. Like, enough of that. That being said, the awnings are something completely different. That concept is a good idea, I think. It's, uh, well, like, like I can picture, like, yeah, if I did do tailgating at a football game or something, and yeah. something like that would be handy. Like you, you pull up into the parking lot, getting ready for going in for the game. You bring out the barbecue and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Like I, I, a couple of buddies at work, they've done that. They've gone down the states to go to a game, and they've you know tailgated, and they said it's quite the event. There's a lot of people oh, just go bar- to a Bills game. Yeah, it's go to crazy. a Buffalo Bills game, man. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking, like, when you do your road trip. As we, we usually pack lunch. We'll, we'll bring a cooler with the lunch in it. We'll pull over at the side of the road or find a picnic area so we can get out and stretch the legs and get out of the truck. Um, get the stink blown off you, as my mom would say. <laughs> yeah. So there, there's one I was looking at that mounts to your, the roof of your truck, like it mounts to your roof racks. Um, mm-hmm. And basically all it is, you unsnap a couple things and you pull out these two posts. It's like a giant wing unfolds. Yeah. Right, and then you just a couple of hooks, one on the front bumper, one on the back bumper. So you got this awning uh, that looks uh, like a, a, a wing sort of thing, like a I don't know, a semicircle mm-hmm. with flat edges. Yeah. I, I, hard to describe. So you can put a table under that, a chair under that, so you can make some lunch and sit in a chair outside mm-hmm. of your truck. Yeah, get out, walk sun, around out of the, the sun, sun yeah. out of the rain. Mm-hmm. Because if, if it's raining, then you're stuck in the truck trying to make sandwiches. Yeah. That's a pain in the butt if I do say so <laughs> myself. Yeah. So I was looking at those and I'm thinking, those would be cool. Now, one of the ones I was looking at also has sides on it okay. that you can get extra. Mm-hmm. So you got the big awning out there and then you put these three sides on it. Yeah. So you can sleep in there as well. So if it's more than just one person... Somebody can sleep in the back of the truck. Somebody puts a, co- a cot down beside the truck and you snooze for the night. Mm-hmm. You can have your window open, that sort of stuff. If, if it rains, um, you know, that would be good if you're, you know, you want, you just pull up somewhere late at night, throw that open, you're boondocking or something. Yeah. If you're doing a cross-country trip or something yeah. or, or you do have like, you know, a long weekend commute. So, for example... Uh, when we drive up to Wabakimi, it's going to be a 12, 13 hour drive. So it's, uh, but you know, some people, like if I, if I was with my kids doing, going yeah. up north like that, I'd have to stop somewhere at a campground on the way. And so one of these awnings is like, you're just pulling and, and go, okay, kids, let's have some lunch and whatever. You're out of the sun or out of the rain or whatever. Yeah. yeah. It's perfect for that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Then you start thinking, when is it become, I don't think it would be. 
like I say, unless unless you're not able to get into the campsites or you're going to places that don't have campgrounds, but even still, like doing the whole side of the truck tent thing, mm-hmm. as opposed to just throwing a tent up. Yeah. At what point? Because I was looking at this one. I'm thinking it's it's 750 bucks for the awning, and then it's like another thousand bucks for the three sides. Yeah. Okay. So after really shipping, it, you're 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 like eighteen, nineteen hundred bucks. Yeah. I can get a tent for three hundred bucks. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, but it's it's yeah, it's a really cool idea. Um, that you can then yeah in the morning just wake up, step out of your truck, fold it up, mm-hmm. and there yep. you go, you're gone, right? Yeah, I, I'm I'm looking at a bunch of. There's a whole bunch of uh, YouTube, yeah, things and all these different awnings and tent. And- uh, what's the one? Twenty three zero or something like that is the one I was looking at. But great for covering distance if you're pulling into a sparking uh, parking lot late in the day or something mm-hmm. like that, or a campground late in the day or something that you can, you know, if, if you pull in at twelve o'clock at night, boom, 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 you set up. Yeah. At least you got the awning, you can sleep in your truck, and then six o'clock in the morning, boom, boom, and you're gone. Exactly. Grab yeah. an egg McMuffin down the road mm-hmm. and keep on trucking sort of thing, <laughs> right? But yeah, I've been, I've been looking at one of those, and it's it's one of those, that's a definite, I'd like to have, I don't need. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, and I don't- so I'm sure some people will have a specific need for it. I definitely don't yeah. need it myself. I, I don't think I'd go the full-on side of the truck tent. <laughs> version. I would go with just the awning yeah. that I could fold out quickly, fold back in quickly, mm-hmm. and be on my way. Well, I, 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 I've every time I've seen some of these tents that snap on, to like you open the rear hatch of your vehicle, a company like Ford or whoever makes a a tent for that vehicle, it's custom fitted, and and it's like, well, if I pull into a, if I'm going camping, say I'm going to McGregor, and it's like, well, I, there's you know, functions of things you're going to go do. It's like, well, I can't fold up the tent every day and drive off to do something or yeah. go off to the visitor center or go to the beach with the kids. It's like, you, you won't, I can't have one attached to the vehicle. No, like when we, when we drove across Canada a couple of years, well, I guess that's five years ago now. <laughs> uh, when we drove across, we'd pull in in the evening, uh, set up the trailer, have dinner, you know, maybe go, go on whatever body water we were camping next to for a, a little paddle. Mm-hmm. Come back, sit around the campfire for a bit, go to bed, wake up in the morning, pack up, be on the road to the next yeah. place. Exactly, yeah. So something like that would be fine with the tent on the back. But then when we got to Banff and we're, you know, we're camped at Banff for four days. Yeah. And Jasper for four days. Base camping, doing all like, kinds of stuff. You need to tear down that tent that's on the mm-hmm. back of your truck. <laughs> and then otherwise... You're bringing a second tent, yeah, so that you don't have to use that when you're not, or, or when you are base camping. Mm-hmm. And at that, well, then why don't we just stick to one tent? Yeah, it's a slippery slope. <laughs> <laughs> again, use it again. Yes, yes, yeah. So yeah, I think I would go with the awning. I don't think I'd go with the full on tent. Mm-hmm. Unless, of course, you're bombing down the highway with that tent up. <laughs> We're just running in for milk. We'll wind, in a minute. wind test the tent. <laughs> oh, oh, I forgot Grandma was sleeping. 
<laughs> Oops, my bad. Yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> do you remember 2019? Yes, I remember that year. It was a fine year. So in 2019, a man was convicted uh, and sentenced to six years in prison. Ontario's highest court recently, the appeal court, uh, by this man found guilty, sentenced to six years in prison for impaired operation of a vessel and criminal negligence causing the death of his girlfriend's eight-year-old son. Mm -hmm. Do you remember that? That whole thing about is a canoe a vessel. Yes, and so the whole case hinged on that. To get him charged the way they wanted to charge him, they had to declare the canoe as a vessel, which Mm -hmm. they did. And uh, because at the time, what it was, if anybody doesn't fully remember, he was impaired. He went canoeing with his... uh, with this kid and uh, they overturned and the canoe and the kid went over a waterfall or drowned. a yeah. sluice or a dam or something and the kid drowned. And so he was charged with what a uh, manslaughter or something. I can't remember. But, that criminal uh, negligence causing death. Yeah. And so his, he was appealing it as people are wont to do. So they don't have to spend so much time in jail. Mm-hmm. But uh, the, so back in May. Yeah. He, uh, their, his lawyers argued before the Court of Appeal of Ontario that a canoe is not a vessel under the criminal code. They also argued that his right to counsel was infringed by the p- failure of police to advise him of his right to counsel before the approved screening device, the ASD. And there was no expert evidence as to the standard of care on which the conviction of criminal negligence could be based. Hmm. So they were throwing out a whole bunch of big words that most of us don't understand. Court of Appeal agreed with the trial judge who included that the canoe is a vessel under the criminal code. In their decision, the justices wrote that the object of the enactment is to protect the public from the consequences of impaired operation of conveyances on the water, Mm -hmm. which a canoe is. Yep. Impairment creates risks to passengers of a canoe, other watercraft, swimmers, and first responders. Unlicensed conveyances, non-muscular powered vessels, and sailboats pose a risk of injury and death just as licensed and motor powered conveyances do, they added. So, he he was out on uh, bail, I guess. While he was doing his appeal. Oh, they let him out to do the appeal? Yeah, yeah. 60 days, apparently. Hmm. Um, there was more than 60 days, though. I don't I, I don't understand. Yeah. Anyway, so he did his appeal. He lost. He surrendered himself to police to... But he... Sorry, no, he has 60 days now to declare whether he wants to take it before the Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. Oh, so he can still go to the Supreme Court? So he can go to the Supreme Court with this now. Hmm. So hopefully he just says, you know what, I'm just going to do my time and be done with it. Because yeah. if he's not served time, if he's been out, 19, 20, 21, he'd already be halfway through. Yeah, yeah, he, maybe a little bit out for good yeah. behavior. Mm-hmm. He could be out now. Sorry, Charlie. <laughs> so if you're thinking about having a little something, something before you go paddling, 
Yeah, don't. Don't. Uh, last thing I've got here. So, July 4th, after the party goers leave, there's a group of stand-up paddleboarders that come in and clean up Torch Lake mm-hmm. in Michigan. Now, you and I passed through Torch Lake. Yes. Um, when we left the... Uh, Sleeping Bear Dunes. Yes. We went across to Traverse City. And then there's that one narrow path between Lake Michigan and the big lake. Yeah. That we went up through in Torch Lake. The town of Torch Lake is mm-hmm. right, right up there on our way to yeah. the Mackinac Bridge. So we actually went through. We, yeah. Through there. And th- that's where we were noticing there's a lot of people here. Mm-hmm. Apparently there's a big sandbar there. It's very popular. Yeah. Very popular. Each year uh, after the swarms of boaters leave Torch Lake Sandbar, following Northern Michigan's most infamous 4th of July party, a crew of trash collectors on paddleboards and kayaks take to the water to help the lake recover. The Torch Lake Sandbar draws hundreds of boaters. I saw a picture of it. Oh, yeah? There's a crap load of boats. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, the big boats, small boats, you name it. Uh, draws hundreds of boaters to its clear waters for a f- July 4th celebration casually known as Torch Fest. Yeah. From floating DJs to fireworks to the burger barge. That's pretty cool. Out of a whole article, that's what caught yeah. my attention. <laughs> burger bar. <laughs> Sorry, barge. Yeah. A burger barge. The all-weekend party provides plenty of opportunities for summer fun and pollution of the lake. Mm-hmm. Now, you and I passed through there the week before this. Yes. Had we known. <laughs> actually, it's probably a good thing we went the week before. Yeah. <laughs> Stand Up for Great Lakes is a nonprofit organization dedicated to protecting the Great Lakes and inland lakes of the region. And has been doing the cleanup in the days after the 4th for seven years. An initiative started uh, in 2015 after volunteers noticed how much trash was left over by party goers on the sandbar and has been a tradition ever since. Quinn Morris is one of the co-founders of Stand Up for Great Lakes and says that the trash collectors uh, are used to finding both commonplace garbage and bizarre items in the water. I don't want to know what the bizarre (laughs) items are. They didn't say what the bizarre items were? They did not. (laughs) Uh, You can use your imagination on that one. Vape pens, cigarette butts, and cans are common. Two years ago, the worst thing was glitter. Could you imagine all the glitter? Because people put it on, then they dive into the water. Mm -hmm. Comes off with the sunscreen. Some items like diapers diapers or the vape pens. Yeah, you're taking your little kids out on their little boat, on their boats, right? Why are you dumping your diapers on a... That's... Or maybe diapers meaning depends for the old folks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Dove in, their depends yeah. came off. <laughs> Oops. Uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're concerning to volunteers who want to keep the lake safe from biohazards and pollutants. Morris says that garbage with chemicals or batteries pose a bigger threat to the lake's waters than regular paper and plastic products. He says, we grew up here. I've been on Torch my whole life. I want future generations to see it's beautiful, clean, and not trashed. We want to keep it as pristine as possible. Morris says that each year the organization notices less trash on the sandbar. 
marking a change from truckloads of bags filled in the first uh. years to a few dozen now. People are learning. They're learning. He says people seem to be getting better at throwing out trash on their boats throughout the day. And you got to think, like, I'm sure at the beginning of the day, oh, let's throw that in here, throw that in here. But as the day goes on, if there's alcohol involved, the mm-hmm. parting involved, and, you know, then stuff, ah, oops, yeah, that went over the side, mm-hmm. whatever. Here, Fred, catch this beard. Yeah. Tosses it, misses, it sinks to the bottom, whatever. So, so uh, yeah, kudos for Stand Up for Great Licks for, for doing that. That's uh, pretty cool. Cause yeah, can, good for them. Like yeah. I say, if you look at the picture, you can just imagine how much garbage is, yeah. is there. <laughs> so, um, and that's, that's all I've got. Yeah. I didn't have any topics today. <laughs> she did. Well, I did talk about the yeah. water thing, yeah. Yeah, the the parasite-filled water. Yeah. On my vacation, I didn't put too much effort into, t- yeah. <laughs> into yeah. today's topic. <laughs> Apparently, Derek's on vacation. He's on vacation. <laughs> so I could have just sat here and talked for an hour by myself. So, ah, whatever. Mm-hmm. We're good. <laughs> I'm on vacation next week. <laughs> oh. Um... Again, if you go to explore-mag.com backslash zero one, uh, check out the article in Explore Magazine about our five great lakes in a day trip. Uh, Kevin Callen, if uh, go to his uh, Happy Camper, Casey Happy Camper um, YouTube. YouTube page, yep. and he did a Whiskey Fireside Is chat that with number us number 97 as well. or something? 94, 96, 97, something somewhere like in that, there, yeah. yeah. Go check that out as well. Uh, other than that, I think mm-hmm. I think that's it. We we sort of had a whiskey fireside chat in the past, but uh, Kevin uh, his battery died. He didn't get the full recording, so he never posted it. And, yeah, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. There's days I look at Kevin and I shake my head, and then other days I look at him and go, man, you're a genius. <laughs> <laughs> I look in the mirror some days, shake my head, other days say, man, you're a genius. <laughs> and there's Tracy in the background going, no, no, no you're not. No. <laughs> <laughs> Legend in my own mind. Yes. <laughs> uh, awesome. All righty. Well, let's uh, finish this up. We can go out and enjoy the... The fine evening. Fine, the humid, humid evening. Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, <laughs> it's July now. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Underwear sticking. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you want to find out more about us, you can find us at paddlingadventuresradio.com. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can download or stream our episodes on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, iHeartRadio, Player FM, and all your favorite podcast downloading sites. You can go to the episode page at paddlingadventuresradio.com and you can either download or stream all our episodes there. All 335 of them now. woo <laughs> If you enjoy the podcast, please share it with your friends and family and fellow paddlers. I want to thank everybody for listening this week. I'm Sean Rowley. And I'm Derek Specht. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.